You're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. Hello. Welcome to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. It's kind of the festive season, huh? It's hard to know when you're listening to this. People celebrate all year round. It lives in my heart all year round. I start celebrating on November the 6th, because in England we have a bonfire night thing to celebrate the almost overthrowing of our ridiculous Tory government. However, hi Em. <laughs> hi. Hi Ash. Hi. 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 I'm not feeling very festive. Emma is currently locked doom with hugging with a bad taste from the ground floor of her house while her thousand children by the other eight men live in the upstairs of the house. They are running feral. It's going to become Lord of the Flies up there, possibly. They just need to leave plates at the bottom of the stairs. I, I can't see this going well for the next three or four days. I cannot see that. However, brilliantly. <laughs> I did think to myself, though, that to be fair, we guys have been doing this podcast now for what, 18, 19, 20 months. 20 months? 21 months, ever since the beginning of lockdown. Oh. And I think I am the first confirmed COVID case of the three of us. And I'm feeling what? absolutely fine. You forget, Emma, that Stuart and I are young enough to be asymptomatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the disappointing thing is I am completely asymptomatic. I felt slightly oh. flu on Thursday. I'm being a responsible grown-up and testing regularly, as I should do with children at school. Regularly. So I tested Friday morning, came up positive, and since Friday I felt absolutely fine. So it is all a bit tedious, to be honest. It's a oh. little snorry. But it does, however, get me away from Get Off My Dick Richard, which is a good thing, but we are meant to be going away on an airplane on the 23rd of December. Who knows if we will good be babysitting Brienne after I'll take Brienne either way. Bring the little COVID puppy into the house. That's the worst that can happen. Well, she actually, she, I think she's loving isolation. She just loves the fact she gets set to tap from one, probably just spreading it around the house. I'm not sure what the rules are with pets. I think maybe they can carry it, but... They oh, stopped investigating that early on. Not worth anyone's time. Stupas, are you still vid-free? I'm still vid-free, yeah. I'm, I'm still Good purely day. audio. Nice. Was that a technical joke that I did not get? Because I did not get it. I think you sort of pause to understand it briefly. You do yourself a disservice. <laughs> There we go. But you, Ash, I was admiring your bouncy hair, which obviously mm. our, our lovely listeners can't see, but they can appreciate. And I was in, you said that's because you were you had it styled up for a wedding, did you? I not? went to a real life wedding. My friend Shiv and I took turns barrel curling our hair in a tiny hotel room in Dorset while we were drinking prosecco. Is that Shiv, Shiv as in Siobhan, Is it? Siobhan. Not as in she's done some prison time and has a nickname off the back of it. She didn't make any shivs in prison. <laughs> Shiv like Shiv from Succession, member. of course. Are Shiv you guys even watching Succession yet? What, what's that? Well, <laughs> we are when Partner of the Good Shouts and I get back into the groove of watching TV every night. Succession is top of our list. And my Shiv attests to the fact that Succession is amazing. My Shiv thinks Succession Shiv is the most horrible person on that show. And I'm interested to see if we... I think there. I mean, pretty much everyone on that show is despicable. I'm not sure that Shiv is she the, worst. the worst. I think maybe Shiv's husband Tom, who played brilliantly by Matthew McFadden, is also equally horrendous. As is actually Brian Cox playing mm. Logan Roy. As is Kendall Roy. My brother, I think that all my dick Richard likes to think of us as Succession, oh, so he casts himself as Kendall. Get off my dick. <laughs> myself. Thinks, thinks he is. Shiv. 
relevant <laughs> and he's barely relevant let alone a member of succession come on now get off no no I was thinking uh, we were gonna well we we wanna chat Golden Globes and surely succession is the kind of Succession thing is up in big, big, big. It's up for best drama series and Kendall uh, Jeremy Strong, who plays it Kendall Royce. Long. I'm finding it I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I, I can cannot... tell you because I did some research. Brian Cox and um Jeremy Strong are up against each other for best actor. They play Kendall Roy and Logan Roy. Logan Roy, the patriarch of the whole thing, the Rupert the Murdoch, if you will. And Jeremy Strong, who also popped up in one of your favourite films of last year, Ash, which was The Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, I did like that. And he was one of the lawyers. He was one of the Chicago 7. He was... Oh, no, he, no, he was one... He was, um... The protest Asher Baron Cohen's, um, weed friend. Yeah. I'm looking at the pictures on the big list of Golden Globes noms, and I, I'm guessing that Billy Porter has been nominated for Pose, which is... Yes. Groundbreaking television, and I'm not saying that to be facetious. Please watch it. I have still never seen it. Other things that were you often... would die for it. You would. I, know, I, I don't quite. Well, I've got I've got eight more days in my house, haven't I? So maybe this is now when I would know <laughs> when I'm going to do it. Oh, that was because actually the other one, someone else is up for best actor in a limited show or series. And I think we should talk about this when you, either of you had a chance to watch it. And that is Michael Keaton is up for Dope Sick. Which is this oh, kind of? You liked. I'm up for dope sick. Well, it's this b brilliantly written. And I'm always up for um, Michael Keaton. Expose of obviously the horror of Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family and the opioid crisis that hit Sackler America. Sackler family is still unimprisoned. Still, but at least they've taken their name Pays off the wings. Rich in, the, in the yeah, I mean it is the patriarchy, but it is brilliantly done, and Michael Keaton is awesome in it. So Do I think it. we need to discuss that when you've watched it. All right. Stuart, your babe, Elizabeth Olsen's been nominated for one division. Happy about it. So is Paul Bettany. I think that's her husband in it. Right. It's, well, it's the vision, yeah. So didn't watch that. So oh, yeah. Is that, oh, shut your mouth. Are they their names? What? What? Yeah, Wanda Maximoff yep. and Vision. Who, oh, I'm not joking when I tell you I mute. I play a game on my phone when you guys talk about that kind of stuff, and then I come back. <laughs> so yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen is best actress in a limited series or TV oh, but, movie. But sadly, everyone else can just go home right now because that is going to be Kate Winslet. It's going to be Mayor of Easttown, even yeah. though that feels like it's nine hundred years ago. And she it doesn't will be her. It. Isn't Elizabeth um, Olsen like the most searched for actress on IMDb of twenty twenty one? Not of my computer. She's <laughs> not ginger for starters. Did you see that my special babe, Brett Goldstein, of Adult Life Skills, is nominated for Best Supporting in Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso. So here's, here's hoping that... I don't know, and if anyone is listening to this, please, please, please do yourselves a favour and go and check out Snoop Dogg reading out oh the nominees because he's quite clearly high as a kite. <laughs> and the very first nominee he reads out is um, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. He literally sends her a Kenneth... Branag for Belfast. He doesn't get any better. He calls Ben Affleck Bean Affleck at some Bean point. Do you think that somebody just told him he'd see Dope Sick and he, that was all he needed to be on board? Is that it was... <laughs> Maybe he was going method. I think maybe it was whatever it was, it was entertaining, but Belfast has come up for an awful lot of nominees. Nominations. Yeah. It's not open here yet. In all the. Um... Uh, trailers. It's looking a bit saccharine to me, so I'll see how it plays out when I see it for real. 
sadly, Kristen Stewart has also been nominated for Spencer, which we all knew she would be. But well, do you know what? If she wins you know anything. what? We're going to get deeper into this because she is 90,000 times better than Lady Gaga playing herself in House of Pucci. Olivia You Coleman, know, you love House of We're going to talk about Overrated. Jessica Chastain, I love, but I can't wait to see the eyes of Tammy Faye. But yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting. Is Olivia Coleman like now the Meryl Streep? She just has to be nominated. She just has to, whether she, she did does. any good work or not. Although there's big buzz with that Maggie Gyllenhaal movie, The Lost Daughter, this adaptation of the Elena Perranti. She who wrote the Naples novels, The My I Beautiful Friend. So about five years ago, there's this massive publishing sensation that was of these books that were called. It was, it was all about Naples, going over Naples. My beautiful friend, my beautiful. I think I only made it through one, mm -hmm. and they were written under a nom de plume, and it turned out to be this Elena Ferrante and this The Lost Daughter, which is going to come out on Netflix, directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, starring Dakota Johnson and Olivia Coleman. The Lost Daughter is meant to be amazing, apparently, but we will see. Hold the phone. I will check that one out. <laughs> Shall we go on and um, bitch at a, a greater extent about Lady Gaga's apparently nomination-worthy performance in this nomination-worthy production? Are we going to talk about... Uh, so, And the other one we can talk about is Benedict Cumberbatch, who is also up for The Power of the Dog, along with Jane Cameron. And I have problems with that. Uh, do you want to do the list first? You always do the list. We always forget oh, to do the list. Thanks, Stuart. We always forget the list. We're only why 85 minutes in. So first of all, we started talking about the Golden Globes. This is me, for my benefit, listening back to this. And then I write the little notes in the... Yeah, anyway. So Golden Globes, noms. Can I just interrupt with a really quick no. about the Golden Globes? Uh, all I was right. just going to say, <laughs> in a really piece of good news, Only Murders in the Building has been nominated for Best Comedy Series. So I'm really and pleased to see that. as well getting so much love and coming back for a second season i'm just really happy because i still feel that not enough people I love have watched it. the joy that was only murders in the building i did That's enjoy it. that very much everyone likes only murders we're also talking this week about the golden globes noms we just did that we're done with that um house of gucci and just like that sex in the city comes back to try and address the fact that they've aged badly and i don't mean the women i'm not one of those people I mean, they've aged badly, like Friends has aged badly. Um, the Power of the Dog, True Story. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Single All the Way, which I am saving for reasons I'll discuss. Um, but, Emma, mm -hmm. I will paint the picture. House of Gucci. I was very excited. Certificate 15. Director Ridley Scott. Oh, I was about to say infamous, but I use that word incorrectly all the time. Ridley Scott directed this. He doesn't know how to do his job badly. Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, Jared Leto. What could go wrong? Emma, you tell us what did go wrong okay. after I just very briefly tell people that this is about... Patricia Reggiani, who was a, uh, a working class woman who married into the Gucci family, married Adam Driver's character. He was about to, he gets handed the Gucci um, name, the control of the company. They're trying to reinvigorate this old, tacky looking fashion company. And it's, well, 
I don't want to do a spoiler, but it's a well-known story. That marriage ends badly. Some people die. It's kind of murderous. It's big, dramatic, camp and sexy. Emma, how was your viewing experience of me in the cinema with our bottles of Prosecco we drank? Some, well, some of us were driving, so some of us did not drink at oh, all. That was just me, Sarah, some, yes. some of us, though, <laughs> did not have to drive, and some of us, I noted, as they drank more Prosecco, were more, were more wildly entertained by this film. Okay, so <laughs> the good stuff about it, it is obviously an extremely dramatic um, and exciting story full, like you say, of sex and murder and family feuds. And you'd think that if anyone's going to be able to rustle it up, it would be Gaga and, as I always say, big, handsome Adam Driver. However, 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 it is two hours and 45 minutes long, this film. That is a long fucking film. That's what happens when Ridley Scott gets given a love story. Not always. I mean, Ridley Scott's an interesting one to me because, obviously, I still love Gladiator. I know many people do not, but he's made things like... I love Gladiator. Absolute genius. Gladiator, absolute genius. I enjoyed The Martian, but he's also made some really questionable movies, she says, trying to think. You of everyone knows what happens to men when they, white, straight men when they hit 50, Emma. What happens? They, they, they become just start believing their own hype. They were. I think he. I think to be fair, Ridley really, Scott's always believing his own hype. And his brother was Tony Scott, who obviously made Top Gun, which is amazing. But he's made some. It's not amazing. All he's made some awful films, <laughs> but he's also made some very good films. Anyway, this is a very good-looking film. But you'd think, oh my god, this is going to be great. They're going to get their teeth into it from the beginning with the Italian accents from everybody. But it doesn't push far enough into that camp. It just stops a little bit shy of it and that's really disappointing to me it's like it could have been a riot cut this cut the cut the running time by maybe 45 minutes make it a tight tidy because it's not giving much away to know you, you know you kind of see this hit from the very beginning you know where it's going and, and the whole story is then told in yeah. flashback yeah. you have as you said jared leto and al pacino who appear to be in an entirely Jared's different film. different film but i was there for that film i wish i'd sat through two hours I would that film because that was a riot. Whereas also, and poor old Gaga is kind of directed to be so abhorrent from the beginning that it makes no sense to me that, you know, Dishy Maurizio Gucci has fallen passionately in love oh, with this Christ, kind of, you know, gorgeous Italian oh. housewife looking. You know, they have one kind of crazy sex scene in a... In a Right, Stuart Pask. Do you remember when I took you to see Midsummer and you've never fucking let me forget it? Something like that, yeah, yeah. The sex scene in this is more awkward than the horrible thing we watched together at the end of Midsummer, and we didn't speak to each other for 72 hours because it was so awkward. Right. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, Ash and I are beyond that, so we were fine. We're beyond it's, that. It's in a kind of terrible sort of box I'm looking for. It's like one of those classrooms you used to have, like temporary classrooms. It's an office that she apparently runs in the oh, transport yeah. company. When your school and... was getting built extra stuff and you had to go out into the mobile unit. Oh, this, yeah. This, this, yeah, exactly. It's like that. Because this is this whole like back backstory that he's so furious with his family, he's walked away from them. So he started working for her at the transport company and she gets yeah. to fake all him in. Anyway, that's going down a road that I didn't expect to. It mm. also has Salma Hayek in it as her uh, oh, psychic. Twice on a bike. That was that. Oh my! And there is a scene when she and Salma Hayek walk in, looking like butch, but butch lesbian bikers into a oh bar. Oh my to go god! That nice was a, that was a, that was only the third best part, and that was still amazing. So, like I say, I think I feel you at the end, Ash. Were like, I will definitely be watching this film again, and I will love it. 
annually. I yeah. liked cats though because I knew what I was getting myself in for and I had a great time. It's just, it, it looks, in fact, I, I'm going to borrow some, I'm going to borrow Dear Dear Lorcan's, because we, we messaged each other about this, and Lorcan from our show. Lorcan, who um, runs an art commented, cinema. Bear and he's also very, very cinema, you know, he's very, very cinema focused and very cinema literate, cine literate. He pointed out, it's like, even though Ridley Scott shoots this, like he wants it to be a Merchant Ivory pick, True. it should have just been more like a telenovela, because that's the ridiculousness yes. of the story. That's and they what should have. They just should have pushed into that. And it's so I had a great time. All the press surrounding it, taking themselves very seriously. Note it's only Gaga being wheeled out the press. The woman has to take the brunt of it, plus it's Gaga. If they just lent into the fact that this is camp, a little crappy, a little funny, I think it would have done much better. Right, and they it's also, horrendously brilliant. They also managed to make such a dramatic story really dull for large parts of the running time it's like there's a there's a lot of there feels like a lot of scenes that aren't there to kind of move anything on or to give you any insight into characters it's there to explain yeah. it was disappointing and I, and I think that's a lot because like you say I think Ridley Scott is now possibly untouchable because he's 82 whoever's doing his editing he Ridley, needs to be editing them. holy fucking shit yeah that was awful Holy they need shit. to be sacked. He need and he needed somebody to take him to one side and say, Ridley, you need to, you know, long time is not necessarily a good time. Yeah. They just die already. Um, I loved it. I did greatly <laughs> enjoy the bit though when he falls when Maurizio Gucci then falls in love with um the breakout star from Call My Agent. Camille Colbert in a blonde I wig. You fancy her. In the Alps. No, but it's like in the Alps in the 80s. Like I know, just it's just so... enjoyed. And it reminds Random skiing scenes. Of that Wham music video. And I just was transported to my happy place. Or I like any Roger Moore film. A riot. I love it. Any Roger Moore film that was then also pinched and nicked for um, the Inception scene, which felt like some James Bond outtakes when they're also skiing in white suits in Inception. It's like that any skiing scene, they always have to be in pure white. Anyway, look. I don't think you're going to hate yourself for watching House of Gucci. It's hilarious. Please do it. I Oh, my Christ. It's, it's worth it solely for, I think, Al Pacino and Jared Leto, who were like the, the, the buddy pair I never knew that I needed. <laughs> so many prosthetics. Um, the problematic Jared Leto. Um, yeah, fantastic wig work. Why he still works. And, and, and jowl work. No, but fantastic wig work. A fantastic wig work, I thought, also for Madam Driver. And frankly, I can feast my, my eyes on big, handsome big featured Adam Driver. He looks like a kind of mountain. I really, I could go on about this for the entire podcast. I must oh, see. He's just the sweetest. Oh, he's so kind. Anyway, so House of Gucci is a Denzel. firm yes for us for all the wrong reasons. Um, let's change a little tack then. You've got a big proper serious one by Jane Campion. So the power of the dog heavily nommed. Heavily nommed, heavily buzzed. What um, is it? Because I ain't done no homework for a decade. Okay, so Jane Campion hasn't made a feature-length movie since, I think, Bright Star, which was her Keats. It was a kind of a biopic about Keats with um, Ben Wisham and Abby ben Cornish. Oh, I love but obviously, post the piano... Abby I'm... Cornish, who Ryan Felipe ran away with. Yeah, and she yeah. suffered for some reason. She has not been... I don't quite know where her career went to. But it's a girl. Somewhere. Reese you could probably get upset. You could Reese dig into that. Tanked her. Tanked her. Because she is mean. 
Oh, Reese Witherspoon is mean girl. We all know that. Anyway, to cut back, Jane Campion, obviously Oscar winning with the piano, one of our greatest female directors. And so has and also while she wasn't making feature films, she did, however, make two perfect TV series with the top of the lake. The oh, one with Elizabeth Moss that. and then the one with Gwendolyn. Oh, Gwendolyn, Brienne of Tarth. Anyway, so she did not she did not waste her time. She made some she makes beautiful looking both television and movies. So she's come back to the big screen with an adaptation of a 1967 novel by Thomas Savage. And it's a Western. So we're in 1925 Montana and you have Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, i.e. fake McDamon, mm -hmm. are playing committed bachelor brothers who've been running a ranch in Montana. Cumberbatch is surly and grumpy. Jesse Plemons is slightly more chirpy. And of course, Jesse Plemons has struck up a relationship with the local suicide widow, as she's called. That's not from me. That's from the film. Suicide widow in town, played by Kispin Dunst, who is running the sort of local fried That's chicken place. That's Damon's wife. Well, I know in real life, very real sweet. Life. And that actually, the chemistry between the two of them is one of the really lovely things in this film. Luckily, that would be worrying. <laughs> well, yeah, you need your water. This is true. So anyway, Jesse Plemons picks up with 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 so with suicide widow Kirsten does brings her back to the ranch, much to Benedict Cumberbatch playing Phil Burbank, but as much to his disgust, he is not happy about this. He is also not happy with. Kirsten Dunst's slightly fey son, who is clearly, well, because obviously Phil is clearly accosted as homosexual, they do not hold back on this. Mm -hmm. And Cody Smith McPhee, who's playing Kirsten Dunst's son, is clearly slightly more happy about his sexuality, shall we say. So mm -hmm. there's a lot, and basically Benedict Cumberbatch sort of starts to bully Kirsten Dunst a bit. Bless her, she turns to the bottle in his 1920s, after all. Mm -hmm. And there's just this sense of impending doom around the whole thing and then it ends up with a surprising coda 20 minutes before the end not a lot happens to be quite honest it's it's more of a sense of menace it's beautifully filmed a little bit mumblecore it's uh, yeah it, well a little bit mumblecore you could almost say it's been compared of course to like Brokeback Mountain because it is a a yeah, period western with an LGBTQ theme um I believe it was filmed in New Zealand standing in for Montana and and physically does a, a great job and that's just the you know the idea of masculinity and the out the you know the the open world and, and who wants what for who and also poor Kirsten Dunst and bullying and but I don't know it's I think Benedict Cumberbatch was perhaps some really odd casting because I don't know about you Stu I'm going to bring Stu in he was never expecting this I love Doctor Strange but I find Benedict Cumberbatch's accent, even as Dr. Stephen Strange, slightly forced. But it works for me because he's a cartoon character. Oh, sorry, he's a comic book character. Okay. So in this, he's playing a Montana cowboy. And he has that same incredibly affected American accent. And I found it really hard to get past that. Which is not bad. And also, it's like no one had directed him how to walk in chaps. At all. So the only other immediate things that spring to mind... Daniel Craig in Knives Out. So another British actor doing a sort of a forced American accent. And then, by the same token, um, our own national treasure, Hugh Laurie, as House. How would you say they stand up to those? Okay, the Daniel Craig one kind of works because Knives Out is such a ridiculous sort of campy caper, really, isn't it? I guess that all-star caper thing. He has thing. a very affected southern accent and it does it's... work in that context. 
interesting. It's okay. a little bit more like Hugh Laurie in, in a house, but it, it, it's almost, I mean, I, I think he's been, you know, he's been nominated across the board, Benedict Cumberbatch, and this, this, like I say, this comes to both Netflix and cinemas with huge amounts of, of plaudits and love. And I think some of that is just because people are pleased to see Jane Campion back, because she does give a female gaze to a very, very male genre here. And that's, mm. you know, that's, that's good. It's and it's lovely to see Kirsten Dunst back. Uh, you know, and, and in a play, and in a role that really gives her some some chops and some teeth as well. And there are some amazing scenes throughout it where you see her kind of mental, the brittleness of her mental state, and how little it takes for for, for Phil Burbank, Benedict Cumberbatch's character, just to kind of push her and push her into a place of no return. But um, yeah, I I wanted to I wanted to absolutely love it, but I just felt there was a tiny bit of stunt casting maybe, and I just thought how much more naturally I could have watched it had it not been a terribly upper-crust English guy playing this Montana cowboy. And then also, in the last 20 minutes, it takes a turn into... I mean, this is obviously what happens in the book. It takes a turn into a far more dramatic ending than you're expecting. On a completely sideways note, having just been prompted for that comparison, I just remember Daniel Craig in Cowboys and Aliens, and I have to go and rewatch that now. That's on my list. I'll talk about that I next week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, I'm going to put it this way: I watched it with husband with a bad taste because he was desperate. He's really, he really, really wanted to watch it. And then about 20 minutes in, he got so bored he googled the entire plot and went to bed. While I, I do that sometimes. To be fair. It is slow, but it's it's beautiful. And I and I'm pleased to see Jane Campion back on our big screens, and I'm pleased to see her being um, nominated as best director because I, you know, it is it, it's an impressively made film. I just think it suffers a bit from having such a massive star front and centre in a role that I just don't think was, for me, quite right. I'm not taking anything away from Benedict Cumberbatch's acting. I think he's an amazing actor, but this role just didn't feel like the fit for him, and it kind of takes you mm. out of the film. When, like you say, the scenes with Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, fake Matt Damon, fully into that. Also, Keith Carradine's in it, and he's a dish. So there you go, very briefly. Always going to be a no for me because I hate westerns. This is an LG, LGBTQ western that kind of also has. I mean, honestly, it turns into it. it it's like a, it does. To, it does have a very much a beginning, a middle, and an end as well. The end takes you somewhere you didn't think you were going to go. It's a bit like oh, so you might enjoy that. What's the What's the Netflix western that came out recently with the all black cast? Oh, we still haven't talked about the Hard Way Fall. Homework for next week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that. You can watch that with me. I've there we go. I didn't know it was out yet. I'm fully up for that. I started watching it. Cool. Decided how to with a bad taste and really like it. Stop watching it. We need to do that. Idris Elba, Jonathan Majors. The whole gang. I think that would probably be more, um, more action-packed than this one. But I do think it's probably, like I say, it's, it, it's up for Best Director, it's up for Best Movie, it's for, up for Best Actor, Kirsten Dunst is up for Best Supporting Actress, so it, it will be very heavily garlanding come awards season. You're giving me lots of mental cues and reminding me of stuff, despite the fact I've not seen any of the things we're talking about this week. But is it more... Is it more akin to a Western in the same way that News of the World is a Western? Stuart, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is more akin to that. It's not, it's not like a classic with Western. The cultural refs. Don't you remember that? That was the Tom Hanks one that came out on Netflix, which was really oh, wonderful. We all liked, actually. We liked it a lot. Did I? Oh, I remember hating it, and then you guys talked me round. Okay. But you have, it, it, yeah, it is, it is similar to that. And like I said, there is, a, you know, there is a, a, there is some 
wrote about mountain love there and there was something and maybe east of eden as well it, it, it's an, it is a western but it's not your classic shoot up western in any way it's a western because it's set in the west and it's frontier land and it's the 20s but there are some beautiful moments in it and yeah i'm i i think it's available on netflix or at your local cinema maybe don't go and see it. well maybe actually i should say maybe see it at your local cinema because part of the problem with watching stuff on netflix is you can That's get distracted can't you so whereas if you're in the cinema, you have to sit and watch something, even though you're like, oh, not just sure. I just would have directed him to walk in chats a bit better than it would come across as seeing in chats. Well, he's a silly public school straight white man. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing at all, sartorially. So what do you expect? <laughs> the irony being that a British chap that can't walk in chaps. <laughs> well, he's, he really, that is how Ashley sees it. But for some reason, Jesse Plemons doesn't have to wear chaps at all, ever. He just gets to wear a bowler hat and have a nice moustache. So it doesn't make any sense to me. How are they running a ranch together? Ridiculous. I'll look deeper into the fashion choices of the if you could, of wild western. Yeah, I'll, I'll You'll appreciate. Back. You'll appreciate. I, well, I really appreciate it. This is so niche, but I did love it. Look at it. We're about to probably move on to and just like that. So niche is good. Mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst's hair in this is perfect and it's just the right shade of grassy yellow which dyed blonde hair would have been in the 20s before we all had you know the opportunity to get rid of our brassy tints it's just perfect no roots but completely yellow loved it okay. you can't stuff. tell me brass is wrong it's look hi Patsy anyway that's the power of a dog 12a two hours six minutes long Jane Campion is back it's a western with an LGBTQ plus slant. Emma thinks it's all right. Stuart and I remain to be convinced. As per usual. Come on now. As per usual. Moving on to something that neither of you are going to spend any minutes of your life on. And I did it for you. And just like that. Rumour has it. Oh, you... Oh, no, you are obsessed with this, but in a normal way. We'll talk about you talk and then I'll talk. But I, excuse me. Thank Emma you. actually liked this because she was the right age when the actual normal TV series came out. I've picked this up as a kind of small retro niche thing in later life. I'm like, oh, hilarious TV in the 90s. How awkward was it? And then I love it. Um, they really try to lean into the campiness with the two terrible films they made. Not critically acclaimed, but they made a lot of money because we spend a lot of money in the cinemas. Basic bitches, we drink Prosecco and we enjoy it. Um, they wanted to make a third film. Apparently the script was amazing. This is coming from Sarah Jessica's camp, I imagine. Um, and it didn't get made. They're placing all the blame on Kim Cattrall. She wouldn't do it, so they had to can the whole film. And instead of just rewriting the little bits of the film that she might have been in, they decided to change the format entirely and come back with a limited TV series and just like that, revisiting all the original Sex and the City cast in their native New York, where they also live, sans Kim Cattrall's character Samantha, and she gets shaded to fuck, um, <laughs> and I'm here for it. Um, I was into this because I like to see where these would-be problematic TV shows have gone. It's no fault, I don't think, of the cast. Like, Friends has aged quite badly in quite a few ways. Many episodes of Sex and the City have aged quite badly in quite a few ways. 
on revision of the two episodes I've seen, it seemed really clunky to start with, very on the nose, and it didn't seem like they were legitimately apologizing for previous bad behavior. When I got to the end of the second episode, that's all that was currently available to watch. I do think they're sending themselves up by way of apology. Is that enough of an apology? Who can say? The big twist, I enjoyed. I didn't see it coming. I also did not see the twist in the sixth sense coming as a disclaimer. Emma, original of age fan, over to you for the yeah, real. I think by the time this comes out, it's no, we, we can spoil because it, it, that spoiler hit all over Twitter and all over Instagram and everywhere, like seconds, seconds before. Now, first of all, I'm coming to the point that I don't think they need to apologize for what they wrote in the late 90s you know because that was a different time what they do need to do is to make sure that they are freshening this up with the correct aspect that you should be watching something in 2021 and they did that but maybe like you say with the introductions and super clunky characters like Miranda going back to university yeah. and having an incredibly hit professor of colour that she can sort of you know get a bit, so, so she, can she can't talk to black people correctly and how funny yeah. is that no that was <laughs> That felt really forced. Yeah. Um, the the twist, which is the fact that, of course, Carrie twist. and Big are still uh. together, but then Big <laughs> dies. Very. I, I I called it. I think did I call it to you, you on our text message me within about three you minutes? Saw it. Yeah. I've yeah. never seen more foreshadowing because never in you, Sex and the City. You didn't get the twist in um, Six Sense I, either. I definitely didn't get the Sex and the City. I'm, I'm not that clever. Now I'm, really, I'm embarrassed. Now I'm just the worst one. It was just more, I think, <laughs> that she kept saying, we're going to the Hamptons. When can we go to the Hamptons? Can we wait to go to the Hamptons? Is it okay if I go and see uh, Charlotte's, Charlotte's Lily's uh, recital and then we'll go to the Hamptons? When should we drive up to the Hamptons big? And you're like, oh, something mm. terrible is going to happen. And as soon as he got on that Peloton, I mean, I, I imagine the sales of Peloton. I can't imagine just Peloton yeah. very happy with yeah. this. With oh, this no, stitch. they love it. Um, they were in cahoots and they have a whole new... Um, ad- Do they have a viral ad campaign yeah. with Ryan Reynolds and Chris Noth or something? Because Chris Noth, it turns out, has a very Chris young Noth child. Was, oh, maybe that's why he did that terrible. Of course he does, because he is patriarchy. Um, anyway, look. I loved, loved, loved Sex and the City because I am that age. I You're am, their age. Like, I am, it came out for you. I'm so slight younger. Thank you very much. Well, I'm probably about 10 oh, years yeah, younger. Oh, yeah, no, they're 50. They're what? mid to late 50s and mid to late oh. 40s. But definitely when it came out, okay. it was brand new. It was fresh. That You know, the, the kind of conversations they were having, particularly if you go back to the very beginning of Sex and the City. You when don't hear women like talking about sex on TV, yeah. Um, I love the first series of the Vox Pops. Yeah, and it was, and it there was, was a lot of people on the street. Yeah, yeah, and they'd be talking about anal sex and oral sex and and you know all kinds of stuff. Whereas, obviously, now they are women in their fifties, and also there is no Samantha. And as over the top and as maybe potentially sort of well over the top. Let's just leave it over mm-hmm. the top. As over the top as Kim Cattrall might have got, she gave it a certain chutzpah that without her it just turns into the sagas of three incredibly rich white women living in new york and, and you're like well rich now and it's very boring now this isn't terribly interesting super rich yeah but i did uh, I, I followed it all the way through i think i said to you i bought the dvds i used to watch the dvds at her you know i used to watch them on a loop really. and, and part mm-hmm. of the reason is of course the fashion as well the fashion has come back really well i do think i mean sarah jessica parker 
she she's got a she's got a style and there are certain bits where her real style and Carrie's style kind of cross over and that's when it works best i found the whole podcast subplot where she's now podcasting shoehorned the girl from um, er really shoehorned and she was also like oh i'm too awkward to ever talk about sex and i was like oh come on you wrote me you know that the whole point was you wrote a column about dating and sex that was your life and you were really open about it so the fact that now you're too prudish didn't that didn't sit with me particularly well but it looks really pretty there's always interior porn there's obviously the fact that willie garson is is no longer with us like that yeah. that adds an extra poignancy as mm-hmm. well with i mean i i didn't i the, the like i say the big death was so foreshadowed with the wedding shoes and the shower and the, everything that by the time it actually happened i couldn't even dredge up any emotion but i'm interested to see where it's going to go and i don't know if it's going to go more comedy because so far I haven't laughed very hard. No. Or if it's going to go more into this sort of dramedy. I am interested to see where it goes myself too. I get the feeling they're not planning on any more than this one series. And I think that's the right thing to do based on what I've seen so far. Well, that's fine. There are 10 episodes though. And obviously they're dropping. I presume now they're going to drop weekly. So I think Amanda's going to become an alcoholic or she already is. They're leaving. Well, that was, yeah, that's, I mean, Charlotte again. is a horrible person and is going to fall out with both of them. They've alluded to that because she's very self-centered and or suffering from something, which means that she can't function as a person without being an ass. Then again, they're foreshadowing the um, alcoholism like no one's business. Every time yeah. she walks into anywhere, she's like, can I have a Chablis? Um, which mm. you know, I have no issue with that myself, Miranda. Go for it. Neither do we, Emma, but yeah, <laughs> we're not role models, thank fuck. Um, and just like that, it's, it's okay. It's yeah, it's, stream- it's streaming on HBO or now TV, or yeah, yeah, don't now, bother now unless TV, yeah. you were any whisper of a fan of the original series or the films, not worth it unless you were not worth your time. Um, it's the okay. clothes are beautiful, though. Yeah, I'm interested. And also, it's a throwback. And I think I said to you, I've never ever wanted anyone's hair more than Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker has the best she hair on any human being, thing, doesn't she? I think she, she might have sold herself to the devil. Well, that's just that's an aside conversation. I have other thoughts. Just for the she hair. looks like a foot. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but the but the hair is a foot. And just hair. like that, with the great hair, HBO Max and Now TV, give it a go if you are at all interested in the original Sex and City. Otherwise, it's wank. Interestingly, though, now are showing all the they've now got currently they've got all the previous Sex and Cities up. Should you wish to, I'm aware that not They're everyone's stuck in the house like me, but you might you might yet be if you want to if you want to spend Christmas catch up on the Sex and City. I highly recommend it. The original. Well, shall we change tactic again to someone who I maintain to this day, um, I'm not interested in watching what they do. Um, Kevin Hart has made a new, is it a limited series? Yeah, it's like four and a half hours of television called True Story. Um, Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes together. Kevin Hart is the kid, very famous stand-up comedian. Wesley Snipes is a friend who works oh, for his, his brother. Would you like me to, as I've seen this all, shall I, shall I talk this one? I watched the first hour and I always get tricked into thinking these things are up my sleep, up my street, sorry, when someone gets murdered and I, no, I didn't like this. Go on, Emma. Look, it's pretty meta, okay? So Kevin Hart is playing a world famous stand-up comedian coming back to his hometown of Philadelphia. Who comes from Philadelphia? Oh, Kevin Hart comes from Philadelphia. So he's playing mm. a 
very broadly fictionalized version of himself. But also in this particular show, the kid played by Kevin Hart is a comic who is also now sober or having, you know, had some issues with alcohol and drugs in the past. Been caught in public cheating on his wife. Oh, so his whole Kevin Hart story. His whole team are quite concerned about him coming back to his hometown, and particularly because his big brother Carlton, played by Wesley Snipes, will be in town, and they're all aware that this could be a nightmare situation. A trigger. And the kid could mm. fall off the wagon. Oh shit! So within the first episode, you have the kid waking up next to it's classic tropes waking up next to a dead girl who is OD in the bed. It's just him and Wesley Snipes playing college. How are they going to get rid of this? How are they going to cover this up? Do they want to cover it up? Wesley Snipes has contacts in the criminal underworld, leading to an excellent performance by Billy Zane, which I must say I greatly enjoy Billy Zane. I wish he'd stuck around in it for longer. Playing Ari, some kind of gangster who gets involved to try and, you know, clean, like a cleaner, to clean all of this up. But it doesn't go as well as one would hope. And so the net, if you like, the net that... um the kid is creating for himself gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it turns into a messy situation. The first episode of this is an hour, which leads you to think it's going to be a little bit, it makes you think the pacing's not going to be that great, but every Super episode boring after and annoying that, first episode. But then every episode that was 25 minutes and I stuck mm-hmm. with it. I, met, I had a work trip. I went on a work trip, so it was perfect Ryanair viewing and perfect hotel room viewing. It's not particularly, it's not weighty at any point in, at any, and it's stupid frankly and the ending is stupid but oh, I won't bother. I it won't kept bother. me pretty gripped and i really enjoyed wesley snipes i haven't seen wesley snipes anything for a long time and i enjoyed his coiled up aggressive energy in this and i enjoyed he and kevin hart's chemistry i'm gonna what's say what's the last thing we saw wesley snipes in was it like blade blade was it blade was like a hundred years exactly ago. i keep looking I at Stuart like he might know something <laughs> it's a boy's film and Stuart is of penis. Yeah. It's a comic book adaptation. Oh, so that Stuart too. must know that all. Too. I don't think we do those. I don't know. I think it was, a wasn't it 15 or 18 at a time when I would have been very young. So you were anyway. too young to watch that. I think it was 18. Well, no, I've, I've seen some of them, but I don't think I've seen them to the same capacity as like everything post Iron Man. He was briefly, he did pop up in Dolomite's My Name, as we know, famously, Husband oh, in the Bad Taste, most favourite film, which he broke down into floods of tears. And he's been, he's done a fair amount of TV, has Wesley Snipes. But look, truth, this is, this is classic Netflix bait. I think it sat at number one in the Netflix top ten for about three weeks. It's your classic, boom, people are just going to take it down in an evening or maybe two evenings. It's Kevin Hart playing his first dramatic role. And it's not it's not horrible. It, it, it had enough mm-hmm. twists and turns, including kind of like obsessed fans, the question of fame, the question of like, what does fame turn us into? Where does covering up stuff become okay if the people you're covering up are awful people? You know, if, if the people you're damaging are awful people, at what point does that, what? does it become okay to damage them? What this reminds me of is the actually brilliantly created and critically acclaimed um, series Atlanta and that deals with all the same stuff and I love it a lot so if you did you see Atlanta Emma I, I have still not seen Atlanta oh my Christ you would love it and husband with a bad taste would love it too 
um, really need to get on that. This is a that's a good version of everything that you're saying that this TV show is trying to I, approach. It's Donald Glover. But Atlanta is a comedy, Daniel. isn't it? Oh no 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 no! It's it's odd. It's black comedy, and it's 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 avant garde for sure. No, this is not particularly avant-garde. This is just more, like I say, straight down. I think this is a straight down line. Netflix Kiss kind easy, of Netflix entertain people. Yeah, yeah. But having said Go that, to Atlanta, if you have a brain, I would say it does have some. You know, and I, in fact, I'd never seen this guy before. But but his Kevin, the kids' um, manager, if you like, is this kind of put upon guy called Todd, played by Paul Edelstein. And I don't know. If I I quite you you obviously saw the very first scene where they're on the plane. There's that guy in first class just being an absolute dick to them, and is kind of talking to the kid, and is basically sort of trying to give some of his you know he's he's trying to recite some of his best stand up lines, which of course is very problematic because mm. it involves a tall white guy in first class just in, incessantly repeating the M word to oh. the kid and his entourage, and it's awkward. Mm. It's really awkward, and I think it has some stuff to say about race and it, 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 as it goes on it, it, it yeah it's, it's got stuff to say about race it's got stuff to say about about celebrity it's got it, it, look it's not going to change your world but i found it really serviceable for, okay for serviceable from emma means i might give it one more episode and see how i feel so that was true story on netflix now about four and a half hours of television with kevin hart and I was Wesley about Snipes. to say the late, great Wesley Snipes, but what I mean is the recently professionally departed, not been around Wesley Snipes. Anyway. Um, An awesome, awesome short part from Billy Zane, who I barely recognised as, you know, ex. Also, where has he gone? But never mind. Um, the final thing we're going to talk about is something I am, I have not not done my homework for this. I'm just very particular about Christmas films and the season. And well, I would I was... love to save good stuff for really close to the day itself. This is going to be when we finally get the kids in bed on Christmas Eve. I'm going to watch this myself as an adult because it's right up my gay street with the old LGBTQ I... Hallmark movie kind of vibes. I was going to say, could we not? Because we haven't done this. This hasn't been particularly long this week. We could basically throw in we've talked about this before ash i have now been converted i've been converted into the world of ash what the hallmark is, crap well yeah hallmark crap but i'm too lazy to actually seek out the hallmark crap so i'm just doing the thing that netflix has basically become slightly a new hallmark just telling like you the hallmark crap you need to the watch. princess switch one two and three operation mm -hmm. dumbo drop whatever it was we covered last year mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so ash and i have on our whatsapp we don't involve Stuart with this one. We'd love to. He does not. Really... He would rather die. <laughs> yeah. there, there, are, there are two Christmas films I watch every year without fail, and they are The Muppet Christmas Carol and Die Hard. Are they not shut up? I, I could take it off or leave it, to be honest. Don't anger me. Sorry. Don't anger me. I'm not saying that. for me, I watched Jim Carrey's A Christmas Carol. Anyway, I was going to say that I listened to Ash... And so I started watching Netflix stuff. So Ash and I, we, 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 so there, there were three films that we talked about talking about today and then we decided it probably wasn't the best. And one of them was A Castle for Christmas with Brooke Shields and Carrie Oz. Don't bother, although Brooke Shields is very charming. Sickening. And then the other was Father Christmas is Back. Sickening. Oh my fucking God, that was the worst thing I've ever put in front of my eyeballs. And if I wasn't isolated in my bedroom. That, and that was my fault. Wrapping presents. I, 
don't even know, Ashley. You said it was amazing, Ashley. You you have you know what I mean moments. by that, though, don't you? You know what I mean by that. However, I then chose to watch Single All the Way, and this is an absolute delight. So we have it's typically hallmark scenario you have michael michael it's Urie. an ape of a hallmark movie and if you don't understand the hallmark movie tropes please google because i do not have the time <laughs> it, it's complete of course it's because michael yuri of ugly betty fame mostly known yes. i guess yeah. is yeah. a extremely successful social media worker in la who is living with Aren't his best friend nick all. called mm-hmm. uh by played by philemon philemon chambers who hasn't seen anything at all but he has to come back to New Hampshire for his Christmas. So he brings Nick back, back, back with him. They're not actually at this point pretending to be boyfriend and boyfriend. Although it is the same typical trope. I think there always is it's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to go home and be single again. And when he gets home, it turns out that his mother, played by the delightful My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Kathy Najimi, has set him up with the only gay guy. playing the mother of people that old now. Why do we do this to women? Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I think possibly because she is maybe old enough to be a mother. I don't don't know how to Google it. He's older than me, and she's your age. No, she's older than me. You are so rude. I think you're putting me at 16. Well, I'm just remembering these people as they were in the 90s, Emma. I'm frozen in time. It's, it's not you. It's weird and me. slightly offensive. I think I'm it's having to me. Google Kathy Najimi. Now I will look her up. No, you, you look keep, her up. I'll you keep, keep going. So it goes back. Also, father played by Barry Boswick, um, Brad from. Oh Rocky shit! She was born show. in the fifties. I'm really sorry, Emma. Thank you very she much. Looks, she looks eternally <laughs> young. Of course she does. She's in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Um, goes back, and the father's played by Barry Boswick from Rocky Horror Picture Show. So already looking at a great cast, and essentially it is like you know the Hallmark movie. He's come back to his hometown which is terribly earthy and beautiful and lit up by christmas mm-hmm. lights and very pious and um they fix him up with the one gay guy in town who's played by luke mcfarlane who i understand from you ash is a hallmark stalwart that's his job and they went so on one of my podcasts i listened to called um everything iconic with danny pellegrino who's a gorgeous midwestern gay fella who will take 60 minutes to talk you through a four minute trailer for a new real housewives of whatever town it's i love it um he had a couple of these um actors on his podcast luke mcfarlane the hallmark brilliance went to acting school with your man from ugly betty i think so they've known each other for a long time and this is a really good tie-in with the fact that they are taking the piss out of the um, Hallmark movie Christmas trope, which I'm very happy they've lent into because you can feel like you're being mean about it, but it's cheesy and we love it and we know it's rubbish. And we know you churn out 50 a year, but that's what we would like. You know what, ourselves. but they're not taking the piss out of it in any way mean-spiritedly. They're doing it in the sweetest, yeah. nicest way. And yeah, it's they obviously- know it's what we want. You know exactly what's going to happen because, you know, all the side characters are like a Greek chorus are telling you the entire time that clearly Peter is in love with his best friend and clearly <laughs> as charming as this, you know, guy is he's trying to set them up with. It's not going to work. But the joy is in the supporting cast and the two key roles for me were Jennifer Robertson, best known as Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek, playing um, Peter's sister. 
and Jennifer Coolidge, most recently, of course, seen in The White Lotus, playing his Stiffer's insane mom. Please aunt. call her Stiffer's mom. That's all we Stiffer's know. Stiffer's mom, <laughs> exactly. Milf, the original Milf, Jennifer Coolidge, um, try, playing his aunt, who is just trying to, who is like some kind of, you know, just completely trapped in her own mind. She's some kind of amazing sort of um, Hollywood star or, you know, Broadway star, and she's trying to put on a... Um, a town-wide Christmas pageant and she's hilarious as she always is I can watch That's Jennifer you. Coolidge and also the damn band pop up at the end and like the damn band have been I kind of with maybe the wedding singer they tend to just come and sing foul mouth songs in like Will Ferrell movies and they popped up at the end as well it was so charming and so sweet and funny and it just I, I really liked it and I'm hoping that you're not going to hate it when you when you sit down to watch on Christmas Eve well, no, I because I, I am not such a I hate all the Hallmark films that I watch, and I hate them so much. I love them like Cats and like The House of Gucci. This Ridley is so Scott, much you finally hate it. reached Hallmark status in your directorial career, Ridley. You're finally at Hallmark status. Congrats! It is. I'm excited. No, this is this is super. This is this is sweet and warm, and I think particularly after <laughs> Castle for Christmas, which. As our dear friend Yossi pointed out, it took 55 minutes to show anything Christmassy, which is frankly rude because, you know, if, if you're going to stick something on for an hour and a half, you need Christmas on there within 10 minutes. Yeah. Or the horror that was Father Christmas is back. If you're looking for something that's going to come up on your Netflix, go for single all the way because it's charming. And the, and the chemistry between both Philemon Chambers and Michael Yuri and Luke McFarlane is all adorable. Jacques adorable and it's funny tis the fucking season bitches are we gonna be back before christmas we can talk more season i don't know babe i'm like i'm in full-on hallmark movie hunkering down day drinking mode i don't know what we were talking about homework for next was there anything we left for next oh yes no dope sick you guys need to watch dope sick stuart you need to watch dope sick (laughs) <laughs> okay. It's not really hunkering down for Tis the Season to be jolly, though, to be fair. It's I mean, I've, I've already named two Westerns I want to watch, so. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah, the harder they fall. No, Stuart gave us homework. Oh, Look at me cabbing with excitement. <laughs> yeah. Ashes in dismay. We've got, and we've got Spider Man. I am zoned with the. Oh, Spider Man. Come on now. <laughs> That's, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's what everyone's excited about. This is going to be the big, you know, this is going to be, this is the Marvel thing everyone's been waiting for. And I know, and I don't know, but I don't know. I actually, here's a question for you, Stu. Have you seen the new Fantastic Beasts trailer? Don't care. It's Harry Potter. Oh, he sounds mad. Something bad has happened to him. What no, happened to you? I, I, I am not a Harry Potter fan. I've not seen any of the Harry Potter films. I, I tried <gasps> when I was of an age in secondary school, when um, Harry Potter was kind of a big deal. Yeah, you have to understand. I read Harry Potter having already read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It, it, it couldn't touch it. And I was. I was... <laughs> so did I, Stuart. Yeah, so I know. I... But I just I thought Harry Potter was a load of old tosh. <laughs> yeah. It's a big world. There's room for both of them. Nah. No, I hadn't twigged that you were talking about a Harry Potter thing. I agree with Stuart. Our age, like, no, that's lame. We don't. We don't. 
How is it late? My I don't. It's nephew, not an age thing because all the all of my friends who are my nephew is thirty is obsessed. In fact, to such an extent that we, as his Christmas tree present, are still buying him a pop head of Hermione Granger because that's how much he still wants to fuck Harry. An examination of something. <laughs> I think that's it's, really bizarre to me. I, I have no idea. To quote to quote a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I think it's a complete load of dingoes' kidneys. I I don't see the appeal. I think it's boring. I think it's childish. Um, granted, I was a child when I read it, but I, I did didn't... you read all the books? No, I read the first oh, one. I thought this was crap. Yeah, no, it's not... Oh, James and I read them to each other. Oh, that is the car across the eye opening. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like we've learned something about each other tonight that we never necessarily needed to? I'm yeah. not. I'm not wildly into these revelations. Yeah. Stuart, are you Harry Potter and the Chamber Pot of moves? Nonsense. There you go. Yeah, I can't. I still can't quite believe that though, because that's a big deal. No, not into it. No. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Elf fair millennials. enough. It is our right and our, our my God and my right. I just think you're a little bit dead inside because like I said, <laughs> yeah, I we can't afford to buy houses. We hate everything and everyone. And I mean, <laughs> you say that, you say that, you're going around the millennial. I'm living in a house that I sort of own, and I've got exactly. an avocado, avocado plant on the windowsill behind me. How is the avocado doing? Is it doing well? It's alive. It's growing. <laughs> Can you tell that I'm desperate to chat on this podcast just because, you know, otherwise I just have, like, the, the just the sense of the ever-impending doom and just <laughs> being... Woohoo! Doom! My own <laughs> I, still have Hawk, I still have some Hawkeye to catch up on. How's it going? Is it looking good still? Still looking good. Um, lots of people. Yelena is now in, obviously. Yelena has hit, hit it. Our, our, our friend from that film we don't talk about. Yep. <laughs> Midsummer. <gasps> she's recently had the she's had the middle bit of her nose pierced. She posted some very entertaining stories on Instagram about how she fainted while she had it done, and I thought me and her are so the same with my slightly infected nose piercing. Right, I'm Cute. done for tonight. Done. Really. I'm gonna go sleepy. I'm gonna put on that goggle box and or Graham Norton that I missed this weekend because that's. Was Graham Norton back this weekend? Yes. Graham Norton has got Keanu Reeves on as well. They're talking about the new Matrix films coming out too. And they have called out Jack Whitehall on being um, a straight white male cast in a film he is not qualified to act in because he can't do an accent to save his life. And it's hilarious. Which film is that? Is it's that the big Jungle... red dog? Not Jungle Cruise, where he also played like a slightly gay. Yeah. <laughs> slightly homosexual. No, not that. I think really Jack Whitehall shouldn't act. Jack Whitehall should just be Jack Whitehall, shouldn't he? Stick to his stand up, yeah. Pretty charming. Although fresh me, I do I won't have a word. He's he's is he the opposite of James Corden then? James Corden's allowed to whack because he's not being himself whereas vice versa. James Corden should not be on anyone's screen ever or in front of my eyeballs ever. And I've got extra homework for next week too. Landscapers. Olivia Coleman. David Fewless started it that does look really good you almost had me i thought you said you found some new gardening show on netflix that sounded quite interesting this is murder it's murder murder it's murder it's also olivia coleman though ash so i'm not sure i'm gonna feel about that but no i don't like lean in lean in ash lean in um okay love you bitches and love all you bitches i say all you bitches i think there may be 14 a solid 14 that listen to this regularly, I reckon. Well, that's, you know, that's better than 13. Happy, happy holidays. Um, nice, to, nice to see you. 
via the zoom like, and tubes oh. and subscribe like tell a friend subscribe. tell one friend if uh, we just empty our souls into the void tell a friend <laughs> we're so cute well and i also love you two bitches so have oh. good evenings my dolls ta-ta for now you two pretty much done bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>